0: Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. Today, I got the chance to interview an incredible woman who I, oh my gosh, I am just so honored to be able to have had her on my podcast. Her name is Mimi Quo Deemer, and she is amazing, if I didn't make that clear already. Mimi's is an author and teacher of both students and other teachers of Qui-Gong internal martial arts, mindfulness, and yoga. We talk a lot in this interview about Chinese medicine that involves so many things that I never had heard of, and I'm so happy that my perspectives and knowledge about the world and the body and how things work has really widened. We talk about that, we talk about, um, Qigong a lot. That's really interesting. Talking about that with like energy. We talk about how we are one with nature. Like we and the trees are the same. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. And so she went on to explain about how we are as affected by the seasons and shifts in energy and sunlight in the sky as the trees. She says connection of elements and organs. There's connections of organs at different times of day and smells and emotions. All these different things. Mimi calls the human body a microcosm of the macrocosm, and after this interview, I could not agree more. Very, very lovely to talk to her. You do not want to miss this one. I learned so much, and I'm just so happy to get to hear, to get to hear her story and her perspective, and I cannot wait to learn more. So, you guys enjoy. Deemer, how is it going over there in the UK? Um,
1: it is beautiful for the autumn in the UK which is a nice surprise. Usually it's a bit soggy um, by now but <laughs> it's actually been an incredibly crisp autumn day um, and so it's going really well. Thank you.
0: Oh, absolutely. I have never been to the UK and i have it's just been my dream since I was a kid to get to go to see all the things over there. And so someday I'll get to go see the soggy weather. (laughs) Oh gosh. But you said you're originally from Arizona, you said? Yeah, I was born in upstate New York
1: and I grew up in Tucson, Arizona and went to school in California, then moved to Beijing. And I lived in China for about 13 years before my husband and I moved here. Um, So we've been here about, gosh, 11
0: years Wow, so you've been all over.
1: Yeah, it's been a bit of
0: a migration. Yeah, that's very cool. What brought you to the UK?
1: A few things. Um, my husband is an acupuncturist, and he wanted to do a program in London. And we were ready to leave Beijing after i have been there for so long, and he was also ready to go. Uh, and my husband grew up in the UK, so it was kind of a an easy fit we had a place to stay here which is often one of the the barriers london rents are not cheap (laughs) um yeah and and it made being able to come here for him and go to school um really feasible and yeah we just ended up staying
0: okay that's very very cool um Yeah, I've never, I don't know if I've talked to anyone with the time difference as you. And so when you reached out and you were like, none of them start before 8 p.m. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such a big time difference. That was so, I just, I got really excited because I don't think I knew exactly where you were, but I knew wherever it was was far based on the difference of the day, but Mimi, I'm so excited to get to talk to you. I was telling just for those listening, I was telling her a little bit before about how a lot of the a lot of the information that I've been just st- totally taking in by reading her two books that she's written about so many things I just I've never learned about this stuff before and so I'm really excited one for me to get to learn and two for just this to get to be on the Unity Project podcast cuz it's I love I love the new the new perspectives and the new information and I just—I feel like I'm already growing a lot just knowing that there are other things out there than just what I'm used to hearing, and so I'm super excited. So, thank you very much for wanting to do this with me. Mm, thank you
1: so much for the invitation to come on the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, to start off, um, can you describe the relationship that you have with your body?
1: Hmm. So right now a sense of connection and curiosity uh, of inquiry and nourishment and care and attention. Uh, There's also a a sense of wanting to um, respect and show appreciation for the body. And there's sort of two main currents happening that I think, um, May, may support that that sense of curiosity and appreciation and care and attention. Um, I'm curious about my body because it's been about 10 months since January uh, that I've had a period. I think in the West, they say, if you've had 12 months without a menstrual cycle, uh, then you're officially through menopause or you're, you know, in menopause or you aff- it's done <laughs> menopause is done yeah and i'm really curious about this time of my life um and the word menopause actually is something that doesn't exist in in the chinese cultural or um med- medic particularly in classical chinese medicine there's no such thing as menopause mm. And what they call menopause is something called second spring. And if you think about second spring, it's just a kind of a a, a regeneration, a new beginning. And it's a really optimistic way of looking at the end of menses, and in um, in Chinese medicine, your menstrual blood isn't menstrual blood. It's called tian gui, which means your heavenly waters.
0: Wow. That's I know, right? right? (laughs) Isn't that wonderful?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I oh, my heavenly waters are flowing down right now.
0: (laughs) That (laughs) sounds way better than everything I've ever
1: called it. I know, right? And so I'm on a
0: campaign
1: to um replace the word
0: menstrual blood with heavenly
1: waters.
0: I will sign that campaign.
1: Yeah, but what happens as a woman ages um, is that this heavenly water, instead of flowing downwards, it begins to flow upwards. And as it flows upwards, it nourishes the heart. And as it nourishes the heart, this cultivates a woman's spiritual development and wisdom.
0: Oh, wow. I know. (laughs) I love that. That sounds so good (laughs) it's so positive as a framework instead of the end of
1: menses where you're you're dried up you're no longer useful for reproduction you're aging you're you know maybe putting on weight you're having uh, hot flashes I mean all of these negative connotations um, in Chinese medicine they they look at this time as you know if if you're taking care of yourself if as this energy of blood rises upwards instead of downwards it kind of builds more fire and heat so you know the thing to do is kind of slow down have quiet and if this happens if we're lucky then it's a time of transformation and renewal and it doesn't mean that you're getting your youth back as a second spring, but if you think of like an oak tree, even the tallest, biggest oak trees in the forest get new leaves every spring,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: So um, for me, I've, knock on wood, you know, two more months, <laughs> but it's been, it's been really a time of curiosity for me because, you know, leading up to this, I've thought, oh no, you know, what if I get all of the symptoms and... Um, you know, how is that going to affect me? How is that going to affect my relationship with my husband? And I've been really conscious of like caring for myself and, um, nourishing myself and, you know, cutting out lots of activities and busyness and noise. And I've had one episode of a hot flesh. Um, I haven't had massive mood changes. I actually felt, I feel really good. Oh, wow. Um, I know. And I feel more energy. I don't know about the spiritual development and wisdom yet. (laughs) You know, um, maybe at some point (laughs) that that might manifest itself. But I I really feel blessed so far that um, as my heavenly waters have flowed upwards and my second spring seems to be starting, that it hasn't been raucous. It hasn't been turbulent and disruptive to my life uh, and if anything it's brought me kind of a sense of ease and um, more intimacy even with my my friends and my my husband and yeah it's it's just been really yeah kind of mm, mm, yeah it, 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 I'm puzzled but I'm also assured and i'm grateful for that so that, that's the first reason that i'm curious <laughs> uh, so,
0: that's so special i wonder what like what do you think made the west create such a different look on it like it's completely different in so many ways of how we perceive how we call menopause versus the second spring like what, what do you think happened in the the difference
1: oh gosh I um I, I don't know the answer to that but I think there's somewhere in kind of teasing out a possible um a, you know divergence in it is um the appreciation for natural cycles and the appreciation for age in China um and in mm. I, and I don't want to say just east and west anymore because a lot of classical Chinese beliefs and um, even you know Chinese medicine isn't necessarily embraced by people in the East anymore. Oh, okay. Um, I was aware of that. Yeah, there's a big march toward modernization that's been going on in China for a long time, and a lot of people have actually rejected what they thought of as kind of China's feudal, superstitious past, which included practices around um, Chinese medicine to a degree, but also spiritual practices. And then you also had kind of communism and uh, Marxist-Leninism and Mao's understanding of, you know, um, Marxist-Leninism and, and his rejection of uh, sort of um, uh, nature and the, the embrace of science. So, and, he, and the rejection of spirituality and the embrace of science. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm careful to kind of use terminology as, you know, of East and West these days, um, but the Eastern philosophies uh, really embraced the idea of you know, the human being as a manifestation of the natural world. We're not, um, we don't have dominion over nature, that the Judeo-Christian belief system is kind of imposed on um, a mindset here. Um, instead, there is a sense, you know, from the early classical thinking in China of, equivalence that the human being is um, on par and know and better than trees or um, other animals and nature is, you know, something that we just or <laughs> a part of, but not, dimin- we don't have control or mastery over. Um, mm-hmm. And, and as a result, you know, I think that just shifted the way that people see uh, the aging process, the role of men or women. Um, If you look at early, early Taoist and uh, uh, Chinese medical texts, um, particularly Taoism, there's also a much sort of more beautiful uh, appreciation for um, the yin and the feminine, and even in the Tao Te Ching, which is like the classical Chinese text on Taoism, it says, um, "Know the male, but keep to the female." Um,
0: wow! Mm. Wow! <laughs> this is all so fascinating. I think so. Oh I love this stuff. You know, it's really shaped and uh, colored and
1: informed and um, broadened uh, my understanding of myself and my relationship to the to the world
0: yeah so wait tell me tell me more about what you said with um because I've been I've been studying I'm very very new into the philosophy world my partner's brother is like he I think majored in philosophy or something but he talks about it all the time and it got me really interested and I was reading uh I think it was Spinoza, but something about how um, just what you're saying about nature and us are like one in the same. We're like equal parts. I was reading a lot about different, just different parts about that. And I find it so cool for so many reasons. Tell me a little bit more about what that looks like. Oh, so
1: <laughs> broad brushstrokes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, so. Uh, the human body in Taoism uh, and in Chinese medicine and qigong is a microcosm of the macrocosm, and we are comprised of. Uh, different well let me start let me back up um we are dynamic and responsive living organisms just like a tree or a, a plant or an animal and we are animals um we forget though i think that we have this uh sort of place in nature because over centuries we are particularly in the last maybe you know three four hundred years um we really shifted to seeing that the the body particularly as something we reject and the head and intelligence and the mind is something we really prize you know this started Mm -hmm. with like Rousseau and Descartes um, so maybe a little bit earlier than 300 years ago. But nevertheless, it's just this um, sense in the Chinese world that um, we are no different than everything that is around us. And we are as res- as uh, affected by the seasons and the shifts in energy um, to sunlight to... Um, uh, temperature to light uh, amount of light in the sky Um, but we've created these artificial conditions and we've also kind of rejected that more animalistic side of us I think Um, and in China this belief started with an idea that everything is energy and chi life energy is embedded in the language, it's described as the weather, tian qi, it's described as your breath. When you inhale, it's called qi chi, which means taking in life energy. When you exhale, it's described as uh, tu qi, which means exhaling or bringing out life energy. Um, and originally, energy was kind of what in science they almost think of as like pre-Big Bang, right? There's just this soupy nothingness, this vast undifferentiated space. And then at some point, that primordial ground of nothingness, primordial energy in the Chinese belief differentiated into um, yin energy and yang energy as, as sky and earth. And then within this yin and yang, which you probably have seen the sign, right? The yin-yang symbol. <laughs> but um, within the, the energies of yin, which is like earth and yang, which is sky, you have a further differentiation into um, elements uh, that are either yin or yang, which associate to seasons of the year. So for example, you've got elements of wood and fire Earth, metal, water, and you know each of these is either an expression of yin or an expression of yang energy. And then wood relates to spring, which is like growth and renewal and um, you know kind of awakening. The flowers go kaboom. Um, fire is related to summer. Earth is related to late summer, as well as the transitional times between seasons the metal element relates to autumn, and then the water element relates to winter. Within that, then, you also have more differentiation and association in terms of the human body. So within each of the elements, you get um, a pair of organs and meridians that correspond to the elements. So, for example, wood's element, uh, the wood elements organs are the liver and the gallbladder. Uh, the fire elements organs are the heart, the heart protector, the small intestine, and something called your triple heater, etc. And then within okay. that, you get further differentiation of these elements and organs. Corresponding to times of day and colors and sounds and smells and emotions, etc. So, oh if you think gosh. about it, like when I started the kind of conversation or answer to your question, was like the human body is a microcosm of the macrocosm. We basically have all of these different organs and uh, times of day um, active within the body which correspond to the elements on the earth or in the earth, which correspond to the seasons and to the energies of being and young and to primordial chaos or energy of the undifferentiated vast oneness.
0: <laughs> so wow. we really are everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I just pulled up, the, I screenshotted the, um, the image of the circle where you have the time. It's kind of, it looks like a clock where it, Uh, you know what I'm talking about from your book and I'm like reading along with you and it's just it's so interesting because ever since you said how um about we are equal to nature like the trees and I'm thinking of like looking at like a tree looking at this clock and the different times of day the trees doing different things and it just it makes a lot of sense to me obviously when we talk about nature with the change of the seasons or the change of the times of days. And now that you put that in the perspective of a person, it, it really does make sense. And I love it. Mm. So these ideas were born out of sages
1: and, um, uh, you know, scholars of ancient China assigned to observe the natural world. And they, they did these observations and made deductions and then proposed kind of an order to things and basically what human beings have always been trying to do, which is try to understand their place in the world. Um, and the conclusions that um, some of the early Chinese had where that you know we are definitely part of the natural world, <laughs> you know, yeah. we we have a place in it, and it's very humbling, and it's very reassuring, and it's also um, deeply respectful. You know, there's this sense of not being at the top of a food chain or of the top the top of some sort of a hierarchy, um, but yeah. in, in in interdependent and uh, reciprocal relationship with the elements of the world, with uh, all living things in the world, um, and therefore very respectful of the natural world because we're, we're, it's not separate from us. We're not somehow, you know, distant from that, but very intimate and connected to it.
0: Yeah. What does that look like? Kind of just like on a on a practical level for being that, for having that mindset of knowing that we are equal to the world versus dominating over it, like you were saying, the Judeo-Christian. like Because my only experience is being over here where that's just not talked about. And I know that there's a lot of movements going on which are wonderful for trying to be more eco-friendly and take care of the, the planet with things like recycling and composting and sustainable... Shopping and stuff but like what I feel like there's an even deeper way of looking into that what does that look like for you
1: I'm glad you said for me because I'm not an expert on <laughs> the environment or the ecology there's so many people who can speak much better about this connection um, for me though knowing that anything that is here and alive in my body right now is a result of um, the sun shining down on plants that have grown in soil that has been watered by clouds that have given rain. Um, that, you know, the right dynamic of that had to be at work and the right balance of that had to be at work in nature for anything to grow and continue and flourish. And if I ingest anything, if I drink anything, if I use anything, it's, it's, it's only there because of all of the elements that are arising in the world. And so I feel, you know, in this sense of what um, the Buddhist mm, teacher and, and, and um, writer Thich Nhat Hanh says, uh, a sense of interbeing that we're not separate from the clouds because the clouds have given us rain that grew the food that we've ingested and eaten and give us given me the energy then to be speaking with you. right? Yeah. That, um, that, I'm not, I'm, that that I'm not that uh, that I'm not that I'm that I'm going to pay a, a lot more attention and, and care to um, you know what i eat how i eat knowing where it's come from see the interconnection between anything that is arriving in in my experience right now as um, not separate from me but a, a very intimate part of me um and yeah that for me that that just creates um, a deeper appreciation for um what is all around me giving me this life and yeah. to not take that for granted or to um, look at the world as something, you know, that for the most part capitalism has seen it as a place to plunder and to take yeah. from and, and not to give back. Um, you know, very interesting kind of thing that comes up for me is um you know, in relationship to kind of this model of humans um, being part of nature compared or or humans as mastering nature, um, bringing it back to kind of the body, is that, you know, for centuries, the model has been that nature is something to master and conquer and control, Um, but harmonizing it has never really been seen as like, something that you do it's never a widespread conviction um and what i tend to sense though is that even when we approach the body um we approach it with that same almost capitalistic view of of um, trying to change it own it control it master it dominate it plunder from it rather than Mm -hmm. sustain it nurture it um be uh be intimate with it and appreciative of it so you know this this comes back for me to kind of why you know why we do things like why we sort of eat what we eat or if we exercise why we exercise and in the west it's always had that little bit of a mindset of ambition of like becoming faster stronger leaner you know and this was an idea from greece that we got like olympic athletes competed in olympic games you know to be more like the gods they worshipped <laughs> wow right so like in the west we have that inherited mindset of like striving to become superhuman but in china and this has really have impacted my my approach to exercise and diet and lifestyle um, that rather than see whatever we do as like an attempt to remold uh, some body that's flawed into something more perfect, Um, what we're doing in moving or eating or breathing or stretching is to rediscover um, balance and and nourishment from like, just like you might want to rebalance soil if it's too dry so it can grow something better or give it the right amount of water or sunlight. You know, so this model in China was of sustaining health rather than overcoming any, like, you know, supposed perceived limitations of the human form. So Mm. it's, you know, preventative medicine is, um, movement is seen as preventative medicine. Food is seen as medicine. Um, Practices were aimed at increasing resilience. Uh, And so, you know... While like we we talk about sustainability and protecting the environment um, and the climate emergency that's unfolding today is hurtling us towards this catastrophe, right? But yeah. but actually. Um, one of the things that we can really just do and what, what I feel is just a small shift on, in, in my small little world is to do things that cultivate sustainability and balance from the inside so that if I'm treating myself the way that um, you know, nourishes me, then that is also treating the world that way because I am not separate from the world. I am, I am nature and nature is me.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. I want to quote that and make that, like, the the little, the promotion. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh, because, like, my mind's going in all these different directions because my, my original, it's kind of funny, my original <laughs> wanting to do of this podcast, I, like, knew I wanted it to be called The Unity Project, but originally I thought it was going to be, like, more big picture like how do we world unity and like bring all of our stories together and stuff and then when I went to treatment last year it became very clear to me that it's like oh actually this is more of like an inside out work of like how do I find unity within myself and then that extends to the outside world and what you said just it connects so much in my brain to that and I I love it because it, I feel like it's more of like a why we're taking care of nature versus like how, or I don't know if it's more of that, but it, it feels, um, like also that like the why versus just yeah. the like what we're going to do and where we're going to shop. But it's like the deeper purpose behind it of being like, we are part of that. And I love it. It's like, and just the hierarchy that you're—sorry, I'm so excited right now <laughs> because this is all so good. But, like, the hierarchy that you talked about that um, that a lot of people have just kind of taken on as how we they see humans in the world being in charge of nature. And it's like, it's our job to fix shit because we did this and that. But it's like seeing that versus seeing, like, oh, no, we are sick and we need to take care of— like us like it's part of us it's not like our pet that we're trying to take to the vet type of thing and I think that's so lovely it starts with
1: compassion towards the self like compassion and care towards oneself Uh, yeah yeah and wow and I think it's also um you know I, I just listened to a podcast yesterday actually with Ezra Ezra Klein who uh used to Oh, he started Fox and now he has a New York Times podcast and he was interviewing Richard Powers. And I don't know if you've read his book, but he won the Pulitzer for um, his last book, which was called the overstory. And he just came out with a new book called bewilderment, which I haven't read yet, but I definitely will read. But it, it's um, interesting because he's saying that the, the the what we need to, to save or to protect the environment um, because there's such a dire state right now is a very rapid shift in consciousness Mm. and, and empathy. And his book kind of looks at, interestingly, a technology that would allow people to develop the empathy and the consciousness shift needed to reverse the direction of climate change.
0: Wow. Oh, I want to read that book. What did you say it was called?
1: Bewilderment
0: bewilderment
1: and it's actually great if you can read the first book which is called the overstory which is amazing i mean probably top five books i've ever read
0: okay i'm writing that down the overstory i'm so excited it's like this year uh, i mean I hate admitting this, but this is the first, well, probably last year is the first year that I started actually really looking at, just looking at taking care of the environment and what that even looked like to start off. And now it's just becoming so much more of an internal work and so much more of just like a part of the big picture versus just this one thing that I need to pay more attention to. It's more like the thing, part of the whole story. And it's so wonderful. And so how, how did you get it? Like, did you always, uh, were you always interested or I guess knowledgeable about this stuff or what's kind of your background? Oh, n- n- no, <laughs> definitely. Um, you were just born, born and you knew it Not, not in the least. <laughs> and I feel,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I just feel fortunate that my life has taken a turn from what seemed like a pretty, um, uh, self-centered harmful um egotistical anxious and needy 20 something year old <laughs> um, relatable to, yeah to to <laughs> you know kind of recognizing that that was ruining my health ruining my relationships ruining my happiness um and just really blessed that uh you know certain people came into my lives and into my life and certain influences sparked my attention and I was able to change direction Um, but you know I I was a photographer and a journalist in China for a number of years and it really wore me down and I felt very disconnected from my uh, my body Um, and it's good I think to recognize and think about that for me because my whole life now is my body my my main work is uh, movement, meditation, embodiment, um, primarily like with uh, now internal martial arts and qigong and some yoga, um, and to think that you know I I did dance as a kid, but it was a performative embodiment. It was not like a insightful or deepening awareness of my body, um, and I just feel really fortunate that you know. Something shifted. Um, but prior to that, I was very disembodied and very disconnected from my myself uh, and trapped up in my, um, you know, my head, which is, I think, where a lot of people still feel kind of most of their experience happening is Neck above, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, 100%. But, you know, I was pushing myself as a journalist. I smoked. I drank. I did become very sick. I was ignoring my body, and I was really trapped in the machinations of thinking and worrying. And that still happens, don't get me wrong, but it, there's there's a mechanism now that I feel I can kind of check that. Um, and, you know, I felt like... I think therefore I am it was that famous Descartes I think said um I think therefore I am and I felt like uh as a result I just my head was living upstairs and nothing was downstairs (laughs) (laughs) um I'd abandoned downstairs (laughs) and if anything I just was angry and frustrated with downstairs and dragging it around um and now you know like that I've Spent the better part of twenty years you know really in, invested in movement practices and embodiment and mindfulness, I can see that um, you know there are uh there's a reason for that like it wasn't just like oh um, you know that was a, a, a way of thinking that I had and that nobody else had it's like in our n- language and our culture, I think to Um, prioritize thinking and and almost neglect and 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 uh overlook feeling in the body Mm. um you know it's in our language i said like I, i came across like examples of this in a book um i don't remember i think it was a book radical wholeness maybe anyway um he gave examples that really stuck in in my my mind uh which is like when we do a head count it's to count how many people are in the room when we do a body count it's to count how many people are dead
0: oh wow yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so fascinating.
1: I know, right? I thought so yeah. too. And then we, in our language, it's like, oh, um, you know, someone has gone out of his head. That means he's gone mad, right? It's not at all yeah. to do with the body. Or you, we, we end up seeing the brain as the sole organ of intelligence. Um, and we live in our head and therefore feel really separated from the body. And we have this division. And I had that division. So my work over the last 20 years and big part has been, um, you know, trying to understand, well, how do I reintegrate my body? How do I uh, bring the intelligence of my body uh, back into a wholeness of being? And how do I reconcile this body-mind schism that's led to, um, you know, a lot of problems in my, in my younger years and that, like, still continue to navigate now? Um, you know, and the Chinese understanding has really influenced me. Like I mentioned that the different organs and meridians they have associated qualities. Well, some of them, some of the qualities are emotions. And so, like your liver houses anger, and that's your mind is actually not in your brain, but your intention or e or mind or focus is in your spleen.
0: <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I feel like I've just been, like, not lied to my whole life, but, like, just kept from all this other information that I had no idea. It was out there. <laughs> that's very cool. I was reading that part in your book and took some notes because I was so I was so interested in that. I think that was, I don't know if it was part of the, I don't know, I think it was after the, the body clock, but just about how those different emotions are in the different parts of your body and stuff. And I think that that's so cool i'm a little bit confused on like what that means though like does (laughs) like i just does that just mean like when when i feel angry the feeling itself is coming from my liver or yeah um it's a manifestation of that that oh
1: let let me back up the so if you think about um the liver is associated in Chinese medicine with the wood element. And okay. wood, if you put, if you look at wood, it grows um, in all directions and it branches out and it's very resourceful and it's really adaptable. Like, you know, you think about um, where Tomb Raider was filmed in Cambodia, the the famous temples where there's um, trees growing on tops of rocks and uh, temple walls and things Right, T- trees yeah. basically have this incredible capacity um, to grow anywhere um, but when they're limited in growth they get really um, frustrated and they can't grow so like if you put a, p- a plant in a pot and the pot gets too small eventually the roots have no space and it can't grow and that's kind of what causes anger in us is when we want to grow, we want to express, we want to have a plan and put it into action, but then something thwarts that plan. Something inhibits that or prevents it, and we get irritated or frustrated. Or, you know, hopefully not, but we might even get aggressive or violent. Um, So, you know, if you've ever, like tried to ride the bus or you know go to the airport and you forget your passport or you forget your ticket or your driver's license or something like that you know it's like your plan hasn't gotten gone according to the way you hoped it would yes. <laughs> and the first thing you do is usually get mad right <laughs> or like yeah. frustrated that's like oh, yeah you know wood energy is about plans and visions and dreams and like good wood energy helps us execute those, and uh, you know, help plans go accordingly. But also, good wood energy is like when plans don't go well, we have the ability to be creative and problem solve, and rather rather than just get angry and frustrated, we can be responsive and adaptive. Um, mm. But anger is the the emotion of wood, and so it expresses itself through the liver. Um, like anyone, you know, in China, for example, like often, I remember um, being in cabs, taxis, and there's terrible traffic. It's really polluted. These poor taxi drivers are driving around, stuck in this little, dirty, tiny cab um, in traffic all day. And I might get in the cab, and the guy is like a super nice guy, but he turned to me, and in Chinese, translating, he would say, "Hey, how you doing? How are you?" <laughs> Where do you want to go? <laughs> right? He sounds angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't be scared. Yeah. I'd mean. like, I'm sorry. But he's doing it with a smile on his face, right? He's just got this oh, like gosh. anger. And it's usually the, the the liver trying to plan. It's responsible for planning, for um, vision, for growth. And he's not able to, you know, do those things very easily. And so it comes out as you know frustration and a shout in his voice <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's so interesting oh my gosh that's a really good example I like I feel like when I hear these things I find them so beautiful but then get so confused on how like just what it looks like I guess more zoomed in and I think that, that that's a really good example I'm happy that you shared that for me and whoever's listening but that's so that's so awesome. Um, what are, what are things like, I know that you talk, I think you have a whole, the whole second book that you have is on, uh, Qigong, is that how I pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Qigong. Qigong. Okay. Is that, I was going to ask you what kind of things you do when you feel disconnected to your body or what are like methods that you love that help you feel connected. And, um, I was going to ask that, but then I, 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 they probably, I would assume that they go together. Um, what, do you want to tell or talk kind of a little bit about qigong and what that is. I know that you compare it to yoga a little bit. Yeah, and um, there's a there's a lot of similarity
1: and overlap in that they're both, they both have meditation and breathing practices and movement practices. I think that qi means life energy and gong means to cultivate or to work. So qigong is, you know, really simply just the cultivation of your life energy. Um, and it has the, the differences with yoga and Qigong, I think are just important to recognize because they just came out of different cultural contexts. Like yoga came okay. mostly out of India. China came out of, um, Qigong came out of China and it, as a result of it coming out of China, it ev- co-evolved over the centuries with Chinese medicine and it has therefore um, a medical aspect. Like a lot of Qigong is really, um, to prevent illness, to treat illness, and support long-term health. Um, it also has a really strong relationship to martial arts, and almost all martial artists will do qigong, um, but many martial arts, like you know, internal martial arts, like the popular ones people know are tai chi, for example. Mm-hmm. That's also considered qigong, and... Um, And it has this martial application. So a lot of movements, um, though they look kind of flowing and soft and simple and slow, um, they come out of uh, danger (laughs) and (laughs) Um, self-preservation. And then there's also a spiritual component to Qigong. And the easiest way to describe Qigong as a spiritual practice is harmony with the natural world. Yeah, you know, it comes out of the Taoist tradition and seeing oneself in harmony with all of the things we've talked about like the seasons and the elements and um the different rhythms to a day or a year or a lifetime. Um yeah. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a really accessible practice. There's there's so many kinds of qigong in the in 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 kind of the world. There's I think in the 90s or 80s, they, did a, uh, tried, they, they tried to do kind of like a, a survey of how many different forms and practices there were, and they came up with 7,000.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is not limiting. <laughs> You could it's just go on, on forever. I
1: know. So um, there's a lot of different entry points, therefore. <laughs> right? And there's like something for everybody. Um, but generally, it's really gentle. It can be very gentle and meditative. And it's it's often what I found. It's a lot easier as an entry point than yoga, in part because it doesn't require kind of complex movement and flexibility the way that some people think yoga should Um you know, require it requires Yeah, um, yeah it's like a moving meditation a lot of people think of it as kind of easier than sitting still because you're moving and yet not as demanding and rigorous as something like you know hard fast vinyasa yoga Aha. um and i love it i mean I, you know it's it for me um uh, it's an anchor and it's also a, a real nourishing practice that um I feel, works with intention, uh, which is a little bit different than, say, um, in yoga. Uh, And by intention, I mean, like, if you, you know, you can try this with me, even though we're just on a podcast, like, just put one hand forward and um, lift it towards the sky. And then lower Mm -hmm. that. That's movement without intention. And then put that hand forward, turn your palm to the sky, and imagine there is... um, uh, a cloud in your hand and you're moving your hand with the cloud up towards the sky and just notice how that changes
0: oh, oh yeah. yeah right
1: so that's cool that's an example of using intention to guide movement
0: okay okay that's that's really 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 interesting i wonder my partner um she has an autoimmune dis- disorder, and so yoga's always been something that she's, like, wanted to do, but it's hard on her body sometimes just because she has so much pains. oftentimes because of her, um, her thyroid. And I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud right now, but I bet, I bet Qigong, I, I said that right, right, Qigong? Okay, sorry, I just want to make sure. I bet you that would be something very, very helpful to kind of maybe try to look into if it's less straining on the body, but still brings that same kind of meditation movement aspect to it. That would probably be very, very helpful.
1: Yeah, and um, from my experience and what I know of it, it it could be really supportive for people with autoimmune Um, disorders and also anything that is triggered by inflammation. Um, what you know, there's a lot of really interesting studies out there. Unfortunately, the main kind of um, driver of some of this work, she passed away but she was, um, Catherine Kerr she was a neuroscientist who worked in um, uh, uh, at, um, the Davidson Laboratory in conjunction with them in Boston, I believe but um, she was doing work in mindfulness and neuroscience but she was also a qigong and tai chi practitioner and they were doing studies of the effect of um, qigong and tai chi on uh, disease. And in Chinese, there's this ancient kind of equation that your, your intention affects the qi and the qi affects the blood. And they can, in neuroscience, they can measure intention, which is mind. They don't really have a working definition of qi, but they can also measure and test the blood. So they were curious about the effect of people doing Tai Chi and qigong on the blood, and what they discovered was a significant decrease in inflammatory cytokines after oh, wow. yeah, after um, practice like regular practice and you need some cytokines, but um, too many cause all yeah. all the common diseases we you know that are associated wow. with inflammation okay wh- Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, and, you know, there's also been um, studies done on how uh, Qigong and Tai Chi are also affecting um, um, inflammatory uh, gene expression. So we all, some people may have a gene, but whether it's expressed or not depends on sometimes your um, environmental and lifestyle conditions. Mm. Um, And the uh, work, some of the research that I've read is, you know, it's really suggestive that... um, it prevents the expression of these genes that cause inflammation. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's so cool. I'm really excited to to talk to her about this now, and because inflammation is like the big thing that we're struggling to fight against for, because it's at the root of a lot of the pain that she feels. So that will be really, really helpful to look into where i guess asking for us and also asking for anyone interested what what would be like a good first step into this like what are resources or just anything that you have to offer uh that we can find or look into to kind of begin the journey into um qigong
1: uh, well i've got a lot of free stuff on youtube and um there's one practice in particular that has just kind of gone um a a bit mad (laughs) (laughs) i I, I put it up years ago maybe six or seven years ago just to help students after a workshop continue practice but i filmed it in beijing and um it has since i haven't i've just stopped counting but million i I haven't actually i can't i'm embarrassed i haven't looked but there's like ridiculous millions of hits on it
0: (laughs) wow that's amazing uh yeah
1: and it's called the eight brocades um if you just go to a search Mimi Quodemer eight brocades it'll come up I'm sure um so that's free I I don't even have any kind of advertising and stuff on it I just I don't believe in that um kind of youtube stuff um but anyway i um i also have a lot of dvds and my book um and online videos and courses i have a vimeo channel um but i I would you know i would recommend for people who are just beginning to because there's so many practices out there to choose some of the classic qigong practices um and these have been around for you know 2,500 years 2,000 years uh in different forms like the five animal frolics eight brocades um um yeah those are those are some good ones to start with okay
0: okay wonderful wonderful at the end I'm gonna ask if you have links and whatnot to push people Towards all this, but can I ask you one last question before before we close out? It has nothing to do with anything else that we've been talking about, but it's very important. Sure. (laughs) Okay, uh, Mimi, would you rather everywhere you go, you have to carry a row of birds on your arms, and they're just traveling with you? And some of them have some attitudes, some of them are really nice. They all have very, very, um, big opinions that they've formed, and they're very vocal about it. But they're your little, they're like your posse. They're just a bunch of birds. They could be whatever kind of birds you want, but they're all very vocal about their opinions. Um... And people are going to wonder why you have birds, and you just kind of have to roll with it and be like, it's just what it is. They come where I go, and that's just going to be how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Or would you rather everywhere that you travel, like taking place of... Anything but walking, like if you're using a car or a bus or running or a bike or anything like that would have to be on the back of a zebra (laughs) and the zebras, (laughs) he's kind of hard to control. He has a mind of his own. He's not used to trying, he's not used to being like kind of directed, I guess. And so you don't always get to where you're going, but you get to explore a lot and see what the zebra likes to do. It's totally safe. Um... He won't buck you off or whatever it is. Zebras, I don't know anything about zebras, so I'm just kind of rolling with it. Um, but you get to experience the zebra's life a little bit. But also, it's just, I don't know. You just see what happens. Which one would you Which one choose? would I want? Wow. A bunch <laughs> of chatty, opinionated birds or like a
1: free-spirited zebra. Yeah. yeah. Really, really specific options I'm leaving you with. Oh gosh! You know, um I would, off the top of my gut, <laughs> instead of my head and my body, I would. I feel the zebra would be my choice.
0: Oh, me too. I kind of. I was feeling like you were going to say that, and I <laughs> love it. Can I ask why? What? What kind of? What do you like better about that option?
1: Oh, um, I think. Well, I, it's a sense of. Life tosses me around anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and part of life is just taking my seat and trusting and going with uh-huh. the unpredictable directions that life will take me.
0: Oh, that is super super beautiful and that honestly ties more into everything else than i thought it would so thank you oh my gosh okay well i'm glad to know next time i see a zebra i will send them to you i'll ship them to the uk for you (laughs) Some exploration (laughs) to go on but my gosh mimi thank you so so much for this whole conversation and for answering my questions and um just helping me and whoever's listening learn really important things that aren't talked about at least in my life as much as i really wish they were because there's so much wisdom in all of this so thank you
1: Mm, you're really welcome i'm glad that you had this time and i enjoyed i enjoyed your questions and i enjoyed our conversation thank you so much for having me on
0: Awesome. Where, where can people find you? Do you have, I know you, you mentioned a bunch of sites. Do you have a website where these links are or do you want me to just put the links to your YouTube and your Vimeo and whatnot in the buyer or how would this work best? Um, my website is great. Yeah. It
1: has most of it. You know, if people want to find different things, they can browse through the website and, uh, it's mkdemer.com and, okay. uh, Whichever you know, if you wanted to use that, or if you wanted to link to other things, that's also fine.
0: Okay, amazing. I will put that in the description box below, and I'm going to go find that that YouTube video that you mentioned because I'm I'm just I'm I'm like a sponge right now. I just want to take in all of the information. So I'm I'm so happy that. That I found you. Your books, I think you mentioned that they're not out yet, but they're in the process. Oh, no, they're out. I just sent you out. Um, okay. PDF uh, copies. Um, but they've been out for a couple of years. Okay, wonderful. And people can find those on your website as well? hmm Yeah,
1: they're all okay. on Amazon or um, uh, Waterstones or um, any other online kind of retailer.
0: Okay, amazing. Well, Mimi, thank you again. All that will be in the description box below, and maybe I'll see you someday in the UK in the soggy weather. I <laughs> <laughs> made it very attractive, didn't I? You did. Either way, I want to get over there, so I'm excited regardless. Oh, thank you, Jackie. Absolutely. You have a wonderful rest of your evening. And you too. Take care. Bye. If you have enjoyed listening to the Unity Project podcast and you want to find out how to get more involved in what I am doing, then go follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. It's JackieG.TV. That's where I post all the things about this and other things that I'm working on, like my new book coming up. A lot of it is having to do with this podcast, so definitely stay tuned for that if you enjoyed this. But anything else you could be interested in is on the grid. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you guys next time.